What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Joining you live right after our third straight 4 o'clock game. I can't remember a time in recent memory where we've had so many afternoon games right in a row, one after the other, especially when one was at home, too. <laughs> you know, I just hate the 4 o'clock games because that means the rest of the nation gets to watch us be bad. And I, you know, and it's cool when it's just our secret amongst us three in in, in the Panthers Nation in the Southeast. But when the whole world on the, on the West Coast get to see it, Grandma Midwest get to see it, that's embarrassing. That's where it starts to get bad. I've got to laugh, you know, because I don't laugh, I'm gonna cry. Um, I'm, I'm actually over my tears at this point. We look absolutely abysmal. Inspiring at all going on right now. Um, there's been some. Uproar, upheaval, but it's only led to much more of a dumpster fire. I think it's also upsetting when you see, like, when you watch the games beforehand and you see the fact that, like, you all have all these teams that are winning games either shouldn't be winning or, you know, that any given, any given Sunday kind of it, it shows its, 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 its head. When you have the Giants, you know, winning the game against the Ravens, you have the, the Jets just carving up the Packers in Green Bay and then the Falcons beating a team that just kicked the crap out of us and beating them by 14 points. And now the whole NFC South is topsy-turvy with the Buccaneers losing as well. And it's like, okay, well, maybe, you know, we could maybe we could do something like that too. Not not even close. Not even close. And I think what really upsets me is that I think you can kind of feel, at least for me, the first few drives, even, you know, even if it ended with a field goal like normal, the first drive – you know, or two especially, felt like a different football team for at least a little bit. Yeah, it did. It, I mean, you. I mean, you came out with the screen game. Came out with with intent to get Christian McCaffrey the ball early on, and that was great. That's how you. And if, the, if those were the first ten to twelve plays you had to open up a game, fantastic. But where does the game plan go from there? Like the screen passes stuff is cool for the first drive, but for drive six and seven. Can we at least try to stretch the ball down the field? I it, they, there's no trust. I mean, clearly there was no trust in PJ Walker, but we knew this last year when Sam got hurt. You called Cam off the couch instead of letting instead of letting PJ Walker start a game without some without some type of emergency backup being on the roster. So I mean, this is kind of what I mean, this is kind of to be expected. We went in with QB three today, and we looked like it. Oh, without question, without question. I think Jack, you said it earlier. You know, we just look like. A, junior, a JV squad. I mean, we, we don't have any innovation behind any of the play calling. Everybody knows exactly what we're going to call, whether it's third and two or whether it's third and long. They know what we're going to call on first down. If it does not involve CMC, if he's not on the field, we may confuse somebody. But the fact that he's on the field, 90% of the chance they're going to they're gonna spy on him. And nine times out of 10, we're going to throw it directly to him and, and involve him in some kind of way. I mean, we use no innovative plays at all. We don't even try to use anything from the outside to even try to open up the field. I don't even think we took a deep shot today. We didn't. No, we didn't. The longest two passing plays was the weird Ian Thomas 16-yard play that we got, you know, midway through the third quarter that got 16 yards somehow. And then, of course, I'm so tired because it's going to become Christian McCaffrey's legacy in Carolina of another garbage time 75-yard pickup turning a 10-yard play into a red zone drive that we're not going to convert off of Jake, Jacob Eason's pass, which he's been doing that since he got here, you know, turning those t- those games where, you know, eh, we're probably not going to do anything and taking that play and taking it all the way down. But I got to say, though, I mean, as far as, you know, being creative with what we were doing, I would argue that in those first, like, like Chauncey said, the first two drives, 
we, you know, the bar wasn't set very high, mind you, but we actually were, I think, a bit more creative. You saw some more of the screens. You saw some reverses getting, you know, Hubbard and getting Foreman actually involved in the game. And then, though, the aggravating part was then when, you know, when it got tougher, when the push kind of came, abandoning it completely. We talked about it beforehand. Foreman getting you right there, right there to a first down. You take him out. He doesn't see the light of day the rest of the game. Chai needed to catch that pass. That was a rough one. Yeah, that was definitely. Yeah, that was definitely a rough one. I mean, I, I, again, you. I mean, this is the signs of a, of a team that just isn't very good. That was a, that was a chance right there. You make that catch, get up the field for four to five yards, keep your offense on track. Then you have the holding call right after that. The, the unfortunate part that those were two young guys that made those mistakes, a 2021 draft pick and your 2022 first-round pick made those mistakes back-to-back. Um, got you off tracking against a good team, a coach that – not a good team. I, I, I'm going to take that back. A, a team that is well-coached and knows how to win football games, you can't give them you can't give them opportunities to stick around in games or allow them to have a, to have extra opportunities where you don't make plays and not finishing in the red zone. It's – been the you know it's been our calling card for the last three years nothing new necessarily but you just know you're not playing with a great group this is this this team just isn't good enough um pj just i mean they didn't and you didn't call the game well enough either and like and, and, and like like they said in the chat like you didn't even give yourself a chance this this type of play calling won't give you a chance and i, I know it's not steve Woods calling the plays but the man upstairs, which is Ben McAdoo, is still at, still at the helm. Nothing's changing with this team. I was happy that rule was gone, but that's only because I'm ready to, for the next head coach to be here, not because I, I I thought it was gonna all of a sudden change now that he left the building. Let's be 100 honest. McAdoo's not gonna do anything other than what he's always done. I mean, he made New York look like the poo of the North, and now he's left one year. Dable's coming in, and he's making them a powerhouse with a five and one record. So. We can talk about that until we're blue in the face. I think also you look at the total offense of what we had, 212 yards. That was less than what uh, Stafford did alone by himself at 249. So anytime you go into an environment like that and you have those sort of stats, it doesn't really matter what you're going to do. And again, our defense is the only reason we scored. We can't seem to score in the red zone. We can't seem to score if we were on the goal line. Even if we were standing on the one and a half line, right to go across the goal, I don't think we could get into the end zone. It's like the end zone is like, immune to us at this moment and we have nothing to show for it we have no answer for it it is almost as if we don't even do a red zone offensive drill when we're in practice yeah i don't know where you know when we get into the red zone what even the offensive game plan is it's been so long since we've gotten to a point where we get to the red zone that we even you know be familiar with a sort of process to do so i think the part that upsets me is that again I think that McAdoo, in terms of playing to the strengths of the guy he had at the helm, I think there's a reasoning behind, you know, a lot of the short, shorter yardage, you know, get the ball out quickly, especially against that front seven and some of the cornerbacks they have there. The defense isn't, you know, I would say top tier, but it can make some obvious impact with you with, with the playmakers that you have on that team and on that defense. So I think some some of the things they've cultivated in that first two drives was necessary and but the thing that aggravates me is not necessarily even from McAdoo's perspective because, well, actually that's a lie. Because if I see one more freaking screen on a third and eight or a third and seven or a third and five in offensive territory and we're not throwing it to try to get a first down, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind. We had a halfback draw, I want or a halfback read, I want to say, that barely got there. The one screen to McCaffrey 
where he was getting where he was being literally engulfed by the linebacker as he caught it was ridiculous. Giving it to DJ with no one to block for him was just idiotic. And I can understand it the first drive. Like you said, Shantis, the second, third, fourth, fifth drive. I don't care that the Rams were showing you that it could be done and getting it done on a third and 15 and Cooper Cup is all the way downfield. <laughs> Abandon it. It's not going to work. And you have to, as a head coach, I understand he's put in a, a difficult position, but you got to say this is not working. And I think Wilkes dropped the ball in a lot of respects today, specifically being you get the three points. That's a good spot to be in. You didn't think you were going to get any points, you know, coming off that first drive. I can't even recall the amount of, you know, game opening drives we've put points together and then you stop the Rams from putting together points on their end as well you get the ball you get like you said Foreman gets you up to that fourth and one I understand you're in the offensive territory but think about the NFL we play in today or you're in the defensive territory on your own side of the ball that fourth and one I say go for it and they were (laughs) you have nothing to lose that's the thing I mean you're a one and four football team and I understand from Will's perspective this is his tryout for the rest of the league. Like, it's not going to work here in Carolina. Obviously, you're, you're, you, this team's not going anywhere. And he's trying to, to play smart, you know, you know, a conventional football. Bro, bro, you're one and four. Be real here. You got to go. You're going to have to make splash plays. You haven't scored with your offense. Jesus Christ. I mean, wait, when was the last time you scored a touchdown with your offense? Cause we all, did we score one last week? Because, I mean, the, you had a pick six against... New York, yeah. right? We haven't scored since New York, have we? I'm, shit, that's the crazy part. We have to debate it. Yeah, <laughs> that's I haven't that. scored since New York. But, I mean, to answer you, to, to, on top of that, right, so we talk about Wilkes being put in a, a tough position and he needs to be a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more flashy. You know, let's talk about it from a holistic standpoint. The whole the whole team should feel like they have a new lease on life. McAdoo should be thinking outside of the box as far as, okay, we've done this for five weeks. Which, what can I do week six to change up them stacking the box? You heard what the announcer said about the secondary. Secondary wasn't even worried about it. They came and sat down in their zones in their particular spaces, and they weren't scared for anybody to run past them. We showed no, no threat to their defense whatsoever. We were running it pretty well in the first half, but then again, you abandoned Dante Foreman, which for the life of me, I do not understand. Every time this man touched the ball, he got positive yards. I don't understand why we don't use him more. It would have helped to open up something, maybe giving Robbie a little bit more looks. We'll get into Robbie in a minute. Maybe even giving, you know, DJ Moore some looks. But at the end of the day, you do the same thing. It's either screening out. You're going to run CMC up the gut. You're going to run CMC to the right. You're going to run CMC to the left. You're going to throw him. You're going to throw him in the slot. You're going to throw him in a crossing route. And that's the that's like the antithesis of our whole offense. Yeah. I'm, go ahead, Jack. I just – and I think you saw, you know – Arguably so. You saw those areas where some people did get least in life. I think some of our receivers, again, hurt, kind of shot themselves in the foot. And I think it's that quickness to like to, to take action is the upsetting part because, like, you saw it again. Shy drops that pass he needed to get. You don't really see as much touches for him anymore. Even DJ, he dropped that first ball, which was a contested catch in and of itself, and then he doesn't really see a whole lot of action. And Robbie, you know, didn't even see as any targets whatsoever. And, again, like I said, we're going to talk about that in a bit. But, you know, I I think that – the thing that really upset me going forward too was um, the way that the defense played, you know, not as a whole, because again, for what we were expected to do at the beginning, I think they did fairly well, but it took a lot less time for those cracks to show. And I think you saw it in different areas. And like, I think, I think Shaq Thompson had a new kind of, he had a new sense of self 
in this week. I think I saw him. He and, and that's directly related to Wilkes, you know, having more of a presence. And when you have your guy, they're also calling your plays for you on the defense as well. I think that gives you that there's no coincidence that that's the case. And you saw him fly around a lot more. The thing that upset me, though, was the blitz packages, at least from a linebacker perspective, were very dulled down. You had your front four causing a lot of problems. Derek Brown, again, continuing to push the envelope and continuing to push the narrative that he is one of the top, if not the top defensive tackle outside of Aaron Donald right now. But we'll talk about his performance in a little bit because there's a good stat in and of itself. But and you know what I'm going to talk about was the was the was the killer here because running wise we defended the run pretty well we caused some turnovers but I'll tell you what the killer was of course on offense uh, and I will say you're right though Dimitri uh, he did abandon that one and there was another one though we're going to talk about abandoning well, I'm ready to abandon C.J. Henderson because when there was the one when Cooper got that third and fifteen and he broke a tackle on Burris I saw C.J. Henderson quite literally look straight at the play and do nothing about it. There was no flying to the ball anywhere near it. It was up. It was, it was stomach churning to watch. He had another play too. Matter of fact, it was uh, Daryl Henderson. I think it, it may have been another one of those third longs where they hand the ball to Daryl Henderson. He's got one-on-one. All you gotta do is make a tackle. Stick it, stick him those in there, make a tackle. Reaches his arm out, whiffs, of course, falling, falls on your face. Let the man run for another first down. I, I The kid is just, he he just doesn't have it, and there's and I and I'm cool with letting that go. I mean I mean we're coming in playing with no you know no JC no Luvu no Chin. Dante leaves the game pretty relatively early, so we're playing with cornerback three, four, and five. Even got to see Tay Hayes out there, an App State guy. You know, so like I I mean there's this season is a wash. It's a wash. Like like. You know, like in 2019, you know, that, that season lasted a lot longer than this. That lasted up until like November, like mid, late November. Then then Rivera got the axe, and then we started playing other guys. This at, at this juncture of the season, man, play all your young guys. Let ship Robbie out, play Terrace. Terrace has got to get more reps. Let let your young guys get spins. There's no reason to wait. You're it's 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 over with. Even though mathematically you're still within the division race somehow. Because this this division just looks bad this year, I'm 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 I'm, I'm talking it to the game, man. I'm I'm on the bigger and better. I'm looking at quarterbacks of this 2023 class. They look great. At least two of them I know for sure look great. And at the pace we're, we're rocking at right now, we're gonna be we're gonna be fine. The Saints aren't even in our way right now. The Saints pick is going to the Eagles, so we don't even have them to worry about. So I, I you know, no, let me no, add. A Great, great, great job. Okay, just let me add one thing. First off, though, I do not think Shaq is 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 the is the savior of this defense. But look at he's the best we got at linebacker right now, and you, he was making plays there. He had to get that pick. He had to get that pick. He was right there for it. But he was definitely more involved I've seen in the past, and I think that speaks again to Steve Wilkes. My beef with CJ too, not only that play was not necessarily Daryl Henderson because that's a big man. That's a big man. But for both Dante and CJ, you get stiff armed and bodied by Cooper Cup. <laughs> By Cooper Cup? I'm sorry, that you cannot respect yourself as a defensive back and as a man. You can get outran by Cooper Cup and outrouted by Cooper Cup all day long. That's I'm okay with that. But when I saw him shrug off DJ and shrug off CJ, I was like, all right, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? What did you expect from no action and CJ Henderson? I mean, this is what they do now. He got an interception. He got a pick six. We'll give him that. But it's day. like all of Dante's interceptions. They're right. always just being uh, right. overthrown. He's two yards <laughs> yeah. from the ball. No, he's not like he made a play on the ball. No, not the slightest. 
we know what our secondary is dealing with. I mean, we let's let's take this a, a full step back. I mean, we went into LA with a whole lot of nicks and bruises, right? We had nobody we were going in with that we played that really played week one in some key positions and some areas where we played the Browns. I think the best football we played all year, to be hundred percent honest. And the only reason we're still in the NFC South is because we beat the Saints. And what did the Saints today? They lost today. So we're still up, we're still up on them. So I mean. The one, the one, two thing we can say is that's the only reason we're still in it. I think we're going to be the number one pick this year. I'm okay with that. I think we have a lot of things to look at with that. We've got a lot more other issues other than that. So we've got a culture issue. And the culture issue is where we're going to have to really, really button down the hatches. Because right now, even if you wanted to go out and try to recruit some of these guys from other teams, some other veterans, you know, to kind of rebuild and kind of retool your your whole organization. Do they want to come to an environment such as ours right now, especially with the especially with the way things looked on the sideline today? Yeah, and I think that, you know, the biggest loss of the day came for Steve Wilkes specifically. We talked about it last week. You know, I said what I would want for him was to show that, you know, put us in these games, keep us in the games, provide that keep pounding mantra, you know, that culture change. And it takes more than a week to implement that, obviously, especially with the short week, short week we were given. But Wilkes has this experience as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach. It's not like this is his first time at the helm. And that's what really does it for me. And the thing that really killed it because we had the Rams fans booing their own team going into halftime. But the fact that you had two minutes sitting on the clock, you had two minutes sitting on the clock, you just picked off Matt Stafford. Your defense, again, shut down that offense. You had all three timeouts left. And I get you don't want to give them the space to do something. But to not call a single timeout when there's two minutes left in the first half and you are at a tie ball game. or No, I'm sorry, not even at that point. We were winning at that point. Yeah, you were up. We were up at that point. You could, you had the ability to put the knife in their back in their home stadium and carry the momentum into the locker room in a game that you should not be in. You have all three timeouts, and yes, your offense had not scored, but they were just, we they were just there. You know that the first two drives, you were just there. You had the momentum. You tried stupid plays going forward, and for me to not even take a timeout, to not even try to put together something and say, what do we have to lose? You're up right now. You don't get the ball to start the second half. You don't. And this is a game, again, it's a game you're not supposed to be in. What is the harm in not taking – because that's what killed them on the fourth and one. It was the time management, and I knew that was going to be an issue. You ha- you have to have that awareness as a head coach to go, we can change the momentum of this game and take it farther than it could than it can, than it can be. Yeah, that you know that reminded me of Shades of Ron Rivera. You know, what I'm saying horrible clock management, too scared to make some shake. You know, and it, it, it is what it is. And Wilkes coaching as if this team is been in position to win all year, and coaching as if this team is good enough to just keep making plays in order to win a game like this. You're gonna have to do something extra to get that offense rolling. It's not gonna get rolling on its own. You're gonna have to do some you're gonna have to do some different things. You're gonna have to try something. But you can't sit on your hands and hopefully wait for the fourth quarter and hope that you'll be in the game and that you'll have a chance. Even though you did have a chance, but you but you didn't have to take a chance. You didn't have to go and try to make plays. You can't just I mean it, it was a whole lot of waiting and hoping that the Rams would make a mistake in order for you to in order for you to create anything offensively. And again, this is just a this is just a team that's it's not the 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 mood of this team isn't going to change by the you know from from week to week maybe if you muster up and finally steal a game from somebody maybe it changes but ultimately we know what we're looking at we're looking at a team that's just that's, it's in the tanker and it's too and it's weird because this is too talented of a group to be this bad 
Like, this isn't the 2010 group. Like, the reason, like, that group was bad, it was just a bad team. Look at the roster. Those weren't NFL guys on that roster. This team in particular, fam, I, it's hard for me to look at this and say, damn, yeah, 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 we, yeah, we should be 1-5. It, it, it really makes zero sense. Well, Shantice, if you think about it, we've been in every game except for the last three, and it's always been in the second half, right around mid to late third quarter going into the fourth. We're not, we haven't been able to hold on or try you know, try to close out a game. And it goes back to what I was screaming to y'all before we got on camera tonight. If we could just score. I think that's the new T-shirt we need to make. If we could just score. Like, we can't even muster a score on the offensive side of the ball. Again, it goes back to being able to take advantage of these opportunities that our defense creates. There is no complimentary football at this moment right now, right? We're, we are consistently trying to just get a field goal, and then we let our defense kind of carry us forward. At some point in time, their shoulders are going to get their shoulders are going to get heavy. Their back is going to hurt, and ultimately, what ends up happening in the fourth quarter of a lot of our games is our back gets broken. They can't continue to hold us up. We don't take advantage of the opportunities given to us, and we're always three and out. I can't think of the last time we've actually converted past a three and out in in the third quarter. <laughs> I mean, when you call again, when you call those screens every freaking play, and it was upsetting too because on third down on defense, the Rams were putting third and 15, third and 10, third and eight, and getting the ball past the line of scrimmage and past the first down marker to continue those drives. And we knew that was going to be the thing going forward. I mean, we we knew the depth of our wide receiver, of our cornerbacks. We knew how that was going to go. And we knew where we sat. I think, again, the, the front four, Burns was, you know, relatively quiet. He made some noise. I mean, Derek, again, Derek Brown was the one who, again, I was most impressed with and continue to be impressed with week in and week out on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, Icky and Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald had five tackles and zero sacks. That is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I will say, did he oh, did he not have a sack because he we we shut him down or? We just threw screen passes, so he didn't have a chance to actually get there. Now, you know, we don't need to put that much in analyzation on it, all right? I, let, let, let me Colin Cowherd it and let me let the stats play for it. Let me be Matt Rule. That's a Matt Rule stat right there is exactly why. Or was everyone else getting the sacks? Or was anyone else? Was he not even – he probably wasn't even trying. We are probably the best game for defenders. Defenders love playing us. You saw the cornerbacks. They're taking they're taking breaks on the sideline. They're walking. They're up in the line of scrimmage. They're not doing anything. They know they don't have to go five yards, ten yards back. There's nothing going down the field that far. They can just, just put on their thumbs. And not only that, look at the thing. Jalen Ramsey didn't even play the outside corner today. He played in the slot. That should have gave you a chance to say, there's a rookie corner out there, Darion Kendrick, rookie corner out of Georgia from Rock Hill, South Carolina. Go attack him. I know he's been good, but go attack him. There was opportunities there for you to go attack, but you cannot. But, but again, when you play as a, this is like a bad high school team. I've seen, I, I know how this goes. Play for some bad teams in high school. It, this is about how it looks when you've only won one game about a third or halfway through the season. It just looks bad. Nobody had, there's no type of, flow to what you're trying to do you're just trying to find anything it the energy the more energy and the morale is down I, you know i mean thankfully see i, I i'm, I'm kind of thankful robbie Anderson did what he did though i mean because at least now we have a reason to we don't have to hold on anymore we don't have to wait we can we, we can just go ahead and get rid of that man for a six round pick and just keep and just and just let it go cut your losses but you gotta change something in this locker room and that would be a great place to start. That and along with Ben McAdoo, but you know, I mean, there's really no fixes for this, and I'm and I'm be honest, 
I don't know how we're gonna keep putting our episodes with people <laughs> playing like this. Oh, it's tough. We can put our episodes, it, it can be all about when do we trade Robbie Anderson and what do we do with the picks we get from him. We could definitely yeah, we got do you. that. I think, I think, I mean, it goes back to Shaquisha. You know, you, you kind of alluded to them, we've been talking about it as an undercurrent. Like the mood in that locker room, the culture we've got in place, we just don't have anything cohesive going on at all. CMC. He's showing up. He's trying to say, look, come and get me. That's why he's playing as hard as he's playing, right? If you look at the totality of everybody on the sideline, the body language speaks for itself. Steve Wilkes was put into a, a very much of a bad situation. But how does he corral these men who seem defeated already and it's only week six? We got a long season ahead of us. I mean, a real long season ahead of us. And let's be 100% honest. Marcus Mariota looking like the Heisman Marcus Mariota right now. Not facts. Down there in Atlanta, okay? So for him to do what he's done and us looking back like, you know, we could have got Mariota for nothing. Hey, we could have got Mariota for nothing, right? But who was going to coach him? Again, I'm not, we're not going that route. Who's coaching him now? <laughs> let, me in, let me live in my moment right now. Let me live in my moment right now, my man. Let me live in my moment. But no, I mean, I can't have to say, everybody was saying Atlanta was on a two to three year rebuild, right? Look at their record right now. Look at how they're balling. Everybody was like, you know, we were ahead, or we were pretty much steps ahead, a couple steps ahead of Atlanta in our rebuild. Look at us now. And we and, and the only difference is they got a new coach. That's it. Bingo. That's it. Bingo. This is the house that Tepper built. So now Tepper's got to deal with the fallout. Now, what does he do to change it? That's the question. And and that's where I get upset is that I like I don't think there is anything that he's going to be able to facilitate to change it. I don't know where it comes from. And now I'm seeing people putting you know Fitterer even on the chopping block, and especially for the fact that he wasn't you know we weren't present out at Alabama and Tennessee last night. And I I really don't know where the change is going to come from or who's going to stick around, who's going to stay here. It feels like again you know this whole period since he bought the team. I mean, that's like we're only not even, you know, four years removed from when Cam Keekley and Greg were still on this roster. Just first year of, of having Tepper as the owner. We're only it's not like that happened. And then Tepper bought the team, which is the way it would normally go. You know, everything goes to crap. And then a new owner buys the team and takes things together. He bought this team. Things went to crap. And so I don't know where that change is going to come from, even from this point of a, of a head coach. The roster that we have right now, like Chantis was saying, does not look like a roster that should be doing this bad. You alluded to like South Carolina and the guys that they had on their team when Will Muschamp was at the helm. And you have guys like Debo, Shy Smith, J.C. Horn, and the guy who was all over the field today, Ernest Jones, making me hate my life. <laughs> and so like making it all, just all over the field. And we're getting to this point now where like just the – this is not like I, I I joked about it in our group chat saying this was a, it was a new low. It's not the worst low. We've had much worse. But if we think about the quarterbacks that we have had in the Tepper era and you talk about Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, even Will Greer getting into the guys that have just played Teddy Bridgewater, PJ Walker, and now Jacob Eason. Jacob yeah. Eason is not, is not anywhere near near any of these guys that we've had in the past that have started for this team. But just the like just seeing him go out on the field, I'm like, are we living in the Matrix right now where Jacob Eason is 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 running a drive for the Carolina Panthers at this point hey, in time? Hey man, we're last chance you baby. All the failed college quarterbacks get come get a home over here, man. All, all of the guys that were, that could have been great in high school come to Carolina and get their last heave at playing football. This is where this is where we're at now. This is our this is who this is what you are. 
<laughs> I mean, but at, at, at this point, though, at this point, um, I mean, speaking of that Alabama Tennessee, Alabama Tennessee game, I mean, there's some guys. There's some guys. I mean, we know the obvious candidates, but you know, Hendon Hooker's name swirling around there a little bit. I mean, I don't know if I'm taking a 26 year old with my first round pick, <laughs> but he's uh, again. It, 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 there's some options, and and that's the, that's it's sad that at this point in the season, at week six, we're having to go ahead and go into GM mode and say, "Well, damn, I wonder who's coming out." <laughs> Hell, the GM needs to be in GM mode right now at week six. The way we're looking on that field. And the aggravating part is you see guys like Geno Smith, Cooper Rush, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitch Trubisky came in and closed the game out for the for the Steelers. Kenny Pickett played his game, and then Mitch Trubisky came in and closed the game out. Daniel Jones is a above 500 winning record quarterback that is continuing to put together games. And then five and one. And then the toddler that is dimes. And then the toddler that is Zach Wilson is beating the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay, mind you. And, and and stealing the cheese from the players that are in the field. And, and that's what is upsetting to me, that we have put, put ourselves in this position. Geno Smith is still balling out. Jacoby Brissett is still actually putting together a, a, a game for these guys. And, and that is what's upsetting to me to continue to watch, where this is the position we put ourselves in. We had all these opportunities. You had these people you could at least try to throw some money at. And at this point, like, if PJ's out for a significant amount of time – I, 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 we got our, who cares? Who cares? I, you could, but there's going to be a sense of pride there. Sam Donald's coming back in a week. We're good. Don't worry about it. That's, and this is where back. we've gotten to. <laughs> yes. This is, point, this is how bad, down bad we've gotten as a fan base. Shanti, help him out. Tell Man, him. look, okay. this is, okay. it, honestly, though, it's going to be some pretty interceptions being thrown in Sam, when Sam Donald get back in this thing. We're going to get, and that ball gets slung around one way or the other. We don't know the who. But it's gonna get slung. <laughs> but this is what happens though when you don't take the quarterback position serious, and you go get guys that 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 need more help than what you probably had to give them. Meaning from a personnel perspective and from a coaching perspective. And again, you know, there are some things that could have been done better in the in this rural era. But I'll be honest, I don't think anything was gonna stop this from happening. This is what I mean. No. Nothing was going to stop this from happening. I don't believe. I the think train wreck, the train wreck started last year, right? The train wreck. We knew the train wreck last year, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sam Donald was Sam Donald. We knew. Well, once that not, train arrived, it was it was it was a done deal. Well, after year one, when Teddy told y'all, Teddy told yeah. everybody. I ain't gonna say yeah. he told y'all because I could. I think a lot of us listened. But he said, "Hey, how this thing is being run." Isn't like how most NFL teams run. Like there's it, not, it's not, it's not a well prepared group. And what you're seeing is by is not by chance. It's by design because it's not being coached well from the top. It's not being ran well from the top. So I mean, the signs have been there. And you and and, and after year one, your hope is that oh he'll improve, he'll learn, and he'll get better. But that that day never came. And you. Seeing the reports coming out now, I'm I'm glad he's fired now because people are really getting to see we can we get to pull the scab back and see all of what was going on underneath and all of the thing like 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 the like the the acronym OO, meaning like oh like did y'all read about that <laughs> the OO the, the acronym? I mean, no. like the more the articles that come out about rule, it's like oh, let, more than an offense. Hey, let me explain the OO acronym to Jason. So OO O O U is is he one of us? That the, the, the acronym stands for one of us. 
Okay. Is he a ooh? Like, is he one of us? That's the type of that's the type of organization he was running. Fam, he was he was running the Heaven's Gate cult out of out on Mint Street. And this is how he was going to be, gonna be on the roster. Who was going to make the plays? Then that's why you see guys like Phil Hoskins and Robbie play as long as they did because he's one of us. He comes in as one of us. But Carlos Dunlap isn't one of us. Evan Ingram, Eric Ebron, they're not one of us because they haven't proven themselves. But They've never had the opportunity to prove themselves. And instead of worrying about the first 10 plays of the game or the last 10 plays of the game, the first quarter, last quarter, he's worrying about five and eight. He's worrying about the 5% of the game, the 8% of the game at the end, where it needs to be. And that, like, the more I read about it with rule, the more I'm worrying about social media, not, you know, not letting any, oh, you know, man. Not oh, man. anything, not letting, you know, and all or nothing or hard knocks come anywhere near. Cause apparently that was what they wanted to do was come to Carolina. He didn't want that for good reason. Didn't want them anywhere near. And the sheer fact that the, literally the day after we didn't talk about this because it was after we recorded that literally the day after he's gone, you see Stewart and Keekly are back to watch practice. That speaks bounds to what that program was going through while they, while, while he was at the helm. And, and that is what has just ruptured it so much. Thinking back to the play today, Dimitri, you brought you this up as far as quarterback play goes. I mean, it's hard to not go that direction when you've had this inconsistent amount of quarterbacks and when you're also at that same time, like you have, DJ, I think the biggest proponent or the biggest, you know, indicator is DJ. DJ was playing with, you know, a carousel of quarterbacks for the last five years and still putting up consistent numbers with each quarterback. Even in the past few years, Robbie has been good for at least one 75-yard reception, one, you know, bulk of receptions a few weeks. And so I think, yeah, like like Michael's saying there, the, the coaching like we've talked about was, was horrible. And even, you know, McCaffrey – was getting kind of through that first level. I think that burst is still kind of – he's still recovering. That burst is still kind of iffy there, especially with the offensive line. That it plays fairly well in terms of pass protecting. I think the run blocking is still left to be desired. The question that I have, and I think this is something that we have not been talking about for the longest time, and I don't believe it is due to health reasons or anything of that nature. And it's another one of those things where we're like, okay, where is he? What is he doing? Why is he not in? Is Tommy Tremble? We propelled him so much in terms of utilization as a blocker, as a route runner, and wanting to get him in the mix. I have not heard, you know, heads or tails from him even being touched on at any oh, point. Oh, no, he's out there. You, you, have you not seen him out there? I'm not seeing him do anything that's productive. Oh, well, I mean, he's not very. Because McAvoy isn't putting them in the scheme. Yeah. yeah but, because, but, it's, but it's like they said, like McAvoy doesn't, doesn't put them in the scheme, but it's weird how they use them. So they so what happens a lot of times from what I've seen is that when they go twins, they'll throw them in the slot. But it's, it's a clear tale because every time they're throwing them in the slot, they've never passed the ball. And but that's the whole point of it. You know, the whole, every every point we talked about him was as his ability to be a lead blocker, to pull, to come around, to make things happen in the open field. And you saw they had a couple more read options. They had a couple more today. But even still, I just it's the utilization of the guys we have because we saw you know they were pushing routes to DJ, pushing routes to Shy, pushing routes to these guys out of even Ian Thomas and having these plays put together. Then it just called it all. It all culminated to nothing. And so offensively, I just it seems like a lack of trying. There's no desperation. There's no emphasis. We don't have, I think, an X factor play in the playbook. And I think you see that when we create turnovers, like last week when we had the fumble. Again, it's common sense to go downfield when you have a when you have a turnover. You try, especially depending upon where you are on field. I don't even think we have a playbook that would facilitate a shot downfield because 
it's been missing from our offense for the last well, few weeks. The big plays we have are, you know, those middle range routes that break away for long gains. Well, Jack, I'll tell you, I mean, that has a lot to do with the fact of the confidence we have about our quarterback situation, right? So, yeah, you want to take those shots downfield, but how confident are those shots downfield going to be successful? I've only seen one, and I can only think of the one that Robbie broke off first week against the Browns. Yeah. Outside of that, I haven't seen. And, I, and I, outside of that, I think – I don't think we've had a big, big down-the-field play. And that was just, what, maybe even a 15, 20-yard catch, but he, he ran it for 40 it, yards, yeah. right? He turned it into that, right? So, again, we don't have confidence at the helm. We don't think – big enough of our quarterback situation to make those plays. But again, you look at McApoo, he's not the most innovative offensive coordinator, right? You look at his track record, he tries to be this um, old school blue collar. You can tell by his much, he doesn't think about the new school and how we do offensive nowadays, right? If he did, he would be running a two-back system. He would be doing more with the two with the two tight ends that we have. He would be a lot more innovative with that with, with the outside edges that we have. He probably would have used Robbie in a lot of different schemes, such as a Cooper, a Cooper, uh, a Cooper Cup kind of uh, scheme where he runs around and you give him the handoff every once in a while, or you fake it to McCaffrey and you do some check, you know, some screen passes to him so he can get out with his speed. We've done nothing of the sort. We haven't been useful with the tools that we have in our tool bag, and that's why I'm telling you, this whole thing's got to be blown up. Sorry, Wilkes, you're not going to be successful with what you have right now as far as the coaching staff because nobody's going to buy into what we have going on right now. You can definitely tell about the dysfunction. You can tell by the way things are happening on the sideline. Even with the way that we approach the game, the discipline isn't there. And if the discipline is there, it's only on one side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, I, this is no, no saving this, man. This is, it is what it is. Like, I, you know, I've, I've hoped for the tank. Because I I know it's it's for the greater good of what we got what we're trying to accomplish here moving forward, but I don't even have to hope for it. It's just this is you're not going to score. Like I I don't even have to really worry because I know we're not going to score more than ten points, and we're only gonna we're gonna get a field goal offensively. We're gonna that first drive may go down for a field goal, and then and then somehow mystically we'll end up with a defensive touchdown. And after that, that's it. That's all we got. After we hit the spam button on, on McCaffrey, that's it. Our offense game plan is shot after that. Once McCaffrey don't work, if McCaffrey can't score us 21 points, then damn it, nobody will. That's it. And I think you hit, hit the nail right of the head in terms of the issue there, Jay, uh, Jason, is the fact that you have to have confidence in your quarterback no matter who is out there. If, if the Cowboys and the Seahawks can put confidence in Geno Smith and Cooper Rush, then you have to be able to put confidence in not only PJ, but from the beginning Baker, because I don't think they were putting confidence in him there as well, because that was a consistent thing even going forward. And I think that's why you saw last year, PJ was able to perform in certain aspects because at least Matt rule had confidence in PJ as a player. Matt McAdoo doesn't have that. And Wilkes doesn't have that at all either. So you see it to where it's just this lackluster. We don't have that guy in there. Give it to McCaffrey, see what he can do. I mean, that one, there was the one play I remember it was a third and short and you still were in the game at a little bit. And it wasn't even two seconds before he was throwing it to McCaffrey out in the flat. It was that little out route that we love to give to McCaffrey where he's not even looking at other reads and it was some double slants, but it was clear that that ball was never going to go to anyone else but McCaffrey. It didn't even take more than two seconds. And he was throwing it into a place where Jalen Ramsey was right there. You know, Ernest Jones was right there every single time we went to it because they know that's where it's going to go. They know exactly where it's coming from. And no, I don't think we have to wait for the tank at all. I, I really, I really don't. It's, it's coming on its own. It's, there's, you know, you look at the games going forward. We're in this tough stretch. I think Brady can 
Brady can go and try to reconcile his marriage. He doesn't have to play this week. He's fine to sit out. He'll be good. And as we continue, Lamar will get be able to reestablish his, you know, argument for being the highest paid quarterback right now against us. He's going to get the bag after our game. I can tell you that right here and now. He's going to get that bag easy. I the mean, Allen Robinson, even Allen Robinson got paid today, man. <laughs> if you had Allen Robinson on your fantasy team today, which I told y'all last week, like, hey, whoever, whoever had to make plays the last month, they playing Carolina, bet the house. Bet the house. Yep. They're going to get money today. <laughs> and that's exactly what he I did. Know. Well, my bad for cutting you off, Jack. Higby, Higby didn't even ball out on us like I thought he was us. I thought Higby would have carved us up a little bit more than he did. I mean, honestly and truthfully, it was the running game. It was the back, Henderson, out of, out of, out of, out of the backfield um, that really gave us much more of the work. Our defense got tired. I mean, it, it is, it's the same old story, the same old song. Again, yeah. all we got to do is score. If we score, the momentum remains balanced in that back and forth conversation, right? But when you know that that offense isn't going to score and they got to rely on their defense, all you do is you wear down the defense. And prove, that's the proven formula for us the whole season. They're not going to score. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about so, it. They're not going to score. So going forward now, let's, let's discuss Robbie Anderson. I'll give my two cents on it here start. I mean, so off the bat, it doesn't matter what is going on. And you can say what you want about getting your money, getting your bag, being it for your. And he said it in the, you know, it's like, I play for the love of football. I don't play for the money. I don't play for any of that. I play to play football. If that's the case, you do not go sit over on like some Gatorade bu- buckets while the rest of the offense are trying to get this together. You're upset about your ability, your, you know, your, your presence in the game. Then go there and make the argument for it. Don't give offhanded comments to the wide receiver coach to try to, like, that's not going to do anything for you. You can be upset about it. You prove yourself in the way that you play and in how you carry yourself. DJ has been underutilized all freaking season long. He's not making those comments. You, you, you just, I, I understand. And I understand you're being shopped around openly and clearly and clearly. And that's got to be frustrating, especially, you know, if you're then not given the chance to prove yourself, I can understand being frustrated, but you, you, you just got to, you, you, I don't know. I, I, I don't, that's my two cents. Yeah, you know, I saw uh, 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 Tootin Reeves, a former Panther. He said, you know, Smitty used to do the same thing under under the comments on the Panthers Nation page. I'm like, you know, clearly one is not the other. We clearly know, like, like clearly Robbie Anderson isn't good enough to be a distraction. Even Shannon Sharp said it on Twitter. Robbie Anderson isn't good enough to cause problems in your locker room or cause problems on the field. Um, and again, like you said, Jack, yeah, being shocked openly, I can't imagine being at my job and there and there people are actively telling me hey you're about to get shipped out of here it's a like you know like, like your, your time your time is on the clock and, and and again i mean matt rule being a guy that helped say robbie s football career i mean he was a guy that had issues coming out of high school went to temple him him and rule had a great i mean they they did each other a lot of favors both of them had great careers at temple and and even in in the uh, in the NFL, gave him his first thousand yard season under Matt Rule. So I mean, so I understand, mate, from that perspective, a guy that's been around you for that long in your in your in your football career, played a big part in your career being gone. It probably doesn't sit sit well with you, but um, you gotta be a professional at the end of the day. I mean, that, so, that, what was going on there? I don't know what was said between him and the coach. It, it whatever was said can't be bad enough for you to be able to for you to come to blow to almost come to blows on the sideline you know and i mean it's one of those things where i think it's better 
for the locker room if he's gone. It's better for him if he gets a chance to go somewhere. There are some teams that could use some wide receivers. Green Bay could use one. The Ra- the Ravens could, could the Ravens could use another one. I mean, I don't know if he'll change e- either of those situations, but I mean, you could try. So I mean, for us, it, it's it's best that we just trade them for whatever we can get. Whether it's a, a conditional, a seventh, or a sixth, I imagine you, you're not getting more than a sixth rounder for him right now, which would be great. Add some capital and just move on. I think it's best if everybody just goes their separate ways. Yeah, I want to separate the two things, right? I think you go both made some very valid points. I want to separate two things, right? Let's separate the athlete and then let's separate his actions on the sideline, right? Because I think they're two separate incidents. As an athlete, as a talent, we know Robbie, mid-tier wide receiver, can definitely do work, can definitely do some justice to any any given on any given Sunday. I think a couple of things that rubbed me the wrong way. The first one is not just the argument. Smitty's done it. T.O.'s done it. There's been a lot of receivers that have done it, right? A.B. is the most notorious. OBJ's even done it, right? Michael Thomas. There's, there's, there's all these receivers that have done it. That's not my issue. My issue is he quit on the team, right? You quit on the 53 men that are on that team. You quit on the 11 men that walk out on that field with you. You did not in any way, shape, or form try to even finish the game. No matter how mad you get, you don't even try to finish the game. Are you on the open trade block? Yeah, but so is CMC. As a matter of fact, CMC is high-stepping his way, auditioning for other teams as we speak. So if you take anything from that correlation, that's what I would say to you when when it comes to that. Robbie's attitude has always been about Robbie, though. Let's be 100% honest. If it wasn't, and what I mean about him is he always wanted to stand up for Matt Rule because you're right, Matt Rule did give him his chance. Matt Rule is the one that got him drafted to the New York Jets, to be 100% honest. Um, but at the end of the day, Robbie has to know his place. And I, I don't mean it in a way such as him knowing his place, but understand for being a professional and not quitting on your team are the number one things. Because right now, even if they did trade you to another team, those people in that new locker room are going to be looking at you as if, would you quit on us? And that's the news that are questions that will follow you around the league. And I think that, you know, for when you talk about, you know, bringing up like all those receivers, the difference being is that they would either, either they would bring up that stuff and then they would go out and then force their way into the offense, create the open routes, create the ability to make those possessions, get those plays, or they do the reverse of that. They would, create those plays, get themselves back in the offense, and then come back and tell you why you were dumb for doubting them in the first place or making it to where they weren't a part of the game whatsoever. I think, you know, as I mean, as far as quitting on the team, I think, again, he, you know, I, the frustrator was over there. And, and I think Wilkes kind of felt the need to do it to try to show that the culture had been changed. You're not going to be one of rules, you know, inner circle guys. Like, we're, if you're acting this way, you're going to get treated this way and you're going to get sent out of the game early. I think that was a bit necessarily of a power grab, but more of a trying to be a tone setter. Um, and I think that that, you know, kind of facilitated all that. But again, I think, you know, especially if those are to the point where, you know, Wilkes is like, you got to stop doing this. Because Wilkes even yelled at the wide receiver coach for the interactions. It's just, it's just not something that you do as a professional team, you know, on the field like that. There's a bunch of instances of it, but that's not, they're not, you know, touted as good decisions as they do it. And, and I think it's, you know, you see it in on DJ's face, you see it in McCaffrey running the ball, you know, they're upset about it. They try to make waves into it. DJ, I still, I, I don't know what's going on, whether it's just, again, not even looking for him or if again, this continuous continuation of McAdoo, just not even incorporating him to the offense whatsoever. I think you're right. You take whatever you can get from Robbie. Now moving on though with it, we've heard about it all from CMC. We're not going to, we're not going to listen to the debunk stuff with Brian Burns. 
what is our outlook on CMC going forward? Um, a part of me wants to points to part away, depending on what's going to be offered. If 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 they're saying if they're standing strong and standing pat and saying, look, if it's not a first rounder, we can't even talk to you really. Then I'm all for sending him out for a first rounder, especially Buffalo, because Buffalo, if, if again, if you're trying to make a run at a Super Bowl. You go all in. There's no need to wait. You got the quarterback. You got the receivers. You got everything in place to go ahead and make a run. You should be looking to make a. You should be looking to make the call. Um, but it's got to be for the right price. There's no real purpose of giving up CMC for anything less than what you think you deserve. Because I mean, you're gonna have to acquire more talent. And if you're gonna acquire talent, I wanted to be. I wanted to be the first at the at the picks. You know what I'm saying? So I if, anything less than what you anything less than the first. Even though I know CMC is probably not worth that, considering the injuries and the wear and tear, but you gotta hope. But you gotta be unreasonable when trying to get rid of this man. You can't let him go for just anything. Yeah, right now I think we have the leverage in that. I'm looking for multiple first rounds this year. If you want to get him from us right now, I want multiple first rounds. If at the end of the season he makes it through the end of the season, I think then Shantish, to your point, one first round, etc. At that point, but right now we hold the leverage of that, right? You want him, you got to come get him. You got to pay up to get him. I wouldn't just roll off of him just for any willy nilly, just to say, oh, we got rid of CMC and we're we're starting to rebuild now. I wouldn't do it from that perspective. If you want him today, like today's price is not yesterday's price, right? So today's price, we're going with multiple first round picks. If at the end of the season he makes it to the end of the season, he remains healthy. He still looks good at the end of the season. I'm with you, Shantese. We try to get a first round pick to go with our first round because we're gonna get the number one pick. Let's just go ahead. Let's go ahead and speak that into somewhere it. in the top five for sure. At the very least, I think the problem that we're gonna face is that the there's the the way that the NFL has been going for the last few years has been such a disparity and such a staunch difference between what players are being signed for and being paid out of free agency, the deals that they're getting monetarily, including the one we gave McCaffrey clearly. And then what they are being, what they're being gotten for through trades and players, the lowballing that is happening in terms of that. And of course, you know, this year there was a bit of those differences where you had, you know, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, and that's going to hurt any sort of market to get guys like this when you have you've given all this up for him, and this is what it's done for you. Watson, obviously, different reasons than Wilson, but you got guys we continue to see, you know, that are getting severely lowballed in terms of what they're getting for a trade. And but you're right, we're at the point where we're like. I'm not as desperate to give up McCaffrey as I think I once was when we were trying to get, you know, get something, get anything going, trying to figure out what we could do to make this season going. Now we know we're in, we keep saying we're not in, you know, yard sale mode, but at a certain point, you're trying to get a new head coach. You are in a certain sense, but I'm not as worried about getting rid of him because, you know, whatever coach comes in might be able, you know, he might have the time frame to be healthy. He might be utilized better. He might get that resurgence, even though it's very hard for a running back to get it at that point. You know, aside from the injuries and aside from the usage, I think there's still a market to do so. But you also got to look at the running backs that are hitting the free market this season because there's a giant list of them. I think they were saying, I was like, I think there was like a dozen or 15 or something like that. Mm. Um and that's ridiculous in and of itself. And, and some of the guys that were touted right now in the running back space. And I think that is going to facilitate. We need to shop him off if we're going to do so before the season ends. 
Absolutely. And to add on to that, I mean, if you're able to get a first round for, pick, pick for him, right, alongside what you're already going to have, which is probably going to be somewhere within that top five, if you can get a mid, if you can get a mid round first round pick, like around that 18 to 25 range, yeah, that's kind of late, but a guy like Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, he's going to be there. So he's not going in the top 15, I couldn't imagine, but that, but that back half 18 to 25 in that sweet spot, Go grab him. Running backs aren't guys you have to wait on to develop for for two years, maybe to be to be viable. And, and the NFL guys usually hit hit the ground running if they're good enough. He's a guy that I think can hit the ground running, like an Alvin Kamara type of running back. Definitely similar to what you already have in McCaffrey. Maybe not maybe not the workhorse in terms of the volume of carries he may be able to get, but clearly a guy that comes in with the talent level to be able to replace McCaffrey immediately. And then you go get your quarterback or wherever you see or, or whatever you want to get with that first pick. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think you hit on something there, Jack. You know, if we if he does make it to the end of the season and we don't get rid of him, the new coach coming in, he may have a different game plan for CMC. He may be able to facilitate him in a different way and not give him the heavy workload because he has a dynamic offensive scheme that he's coming in with. And that's what I'm hoping that we do get. I want an offensive-minded coach uh, for once to come in and really be an offensive-minded coach. I don't want to pretend like Matt Rule. I want somebody that comes in. Who is an innovator? I'm not going to say a Sean Payton, but Sean Payton-esque, right? Something, somebody who comes in or a Sean McVay-esque who, who kind of knows the game and who has some different ways of looking at the offense. I think that that's what I'm looking for. That's the only way I would keep CMC if he would be involved in that. Otherwise, I'm with you, Shanties. One to two multiple first rounds. I, I, I would, right now, if we're trying to trade him today, I want multiple first rounds. Just right. Because everybody's desperate for him. But at the end of the season, to your point, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to negotiate a bit, but I, I still want a first round for him. High first round, if I can. Absolutely. So, Dimitri, what you're saying there about Burns being worth the bag, um, I, 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 I really have no idea anymore with Burns. I, I, I'm, 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 go, I'm garnering towards no, but then he gives us those flashes of when he's able to do so. I don't think that, you know, I would give a giant price point for him at this point, and I think that. I don't want – it depends on how much you credit the – you know, how much emphasis you put on Phil Snow and the grasp he had on this defense for that time frame here because that's who the coordinator he's seen the majority of his time here in Carolina. So I, you know, I think you have to see how the rest of the season goes in terms of – I it's it's not a no. I just – it's so tough when you have a guy that has given you this, this ability. And like I said, I think if you go to the end of the season and he's started to – give up that resurgence again and make those waves. I mean, right now, Derek Brown's the one who's making the splashes in the backfield. It's not, it's not Brian Burns, at least week in week out. I mean, last week, you know, he had a game the week before that, not really. And so it's, I, I cannot get a good grasp on it. So I'm hoping maybe having the guys that we have in there now to continue to push for, hopefully also this is the thing about whether he wants to stay here or not, because he did not like the last regime. And I don't know what his thoughts are on the regime going forward. Um, I would imagine for Brian Burns, I mean, whether we feel like he's going to be worth the bag, he's going to get it from somebody. I think we all need to keep that in mind. Somebody's going to give him the bag. And a good team will go out and get Brian Burns and pay him, even if we think it's an overpay. If they're good enough, they'll you'll look at Burns as a – exactly. He'll, he'll be the cherry on top. I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now. Mike Vrabel is 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 drooling yep. at the mouth, looking at Derek yep. Burns, looking at oh. Brian Burns for that defense. It's a boat yeah, it's a boat hey, It's a boat the, the one thing I learned this week, once trade rumors started coming out, I saw droves of fans from my uh, drove the people from other fan bases 
knowing good and well what they would get if they got some of our players. They know they know they would get a guy that could help maybe put their defense over the top, maybe make them a championship caliber team, maybe even make them maybe maybe make them a playoff team. They know they would get players that can come in right away and be you know, yeah. you know, impact guys. So um for Carolina, I mean, how, how do you feel about you know, paying them I mean, what does he garner? Does he garner market resetting money? Not in the slightest, no. no. I, what, I, I, no. And, and that's here's the thing. Well, what is he, what is he gonna take? What's it gonna take to get him signed? Is, is is the next question? Because for Carolina, I think he's gonna take market reset money to keep him. For somebody else, it may not take that if he's going to a better situation. Well, it depends too, like with where he sees himself in the market and at the time, who would he leave us for? Right? I think there's a lot of teams he could probably leave us for, but that he wouldn't get the money. Like he would go to Buffalo, make a decent bag, and be horrendous on that damn defense. Um, you talk about sending him someplace like LA, he would be a monster in that linebacker. They can use him. Yeah, Tennessee is another one. I like the Tennessee look. Um, I would also say, man, I also beg to say, he mess around and go to Philly or to Dallas. It's a problem. Oh, it's yeah. A problem. And, it's a huge and, problem. And you talk about it, and I think this is the recurring. I could, and this is the thing: it's the, the the damn if you do, damn if you don't for the Panthers. When you get when you do things for like Dante and Shaq, you think maybe there's the perspective there. And again, Shanti said you tricked us again, Dante. You keep fooling <laughs> us. You keep doing it to us. But you look at the other side of it. I don't think you know we were there was any point where we were going to give Hassan the money that he wanted. But there's a reason why he wanted that money. You see him go to Philadelphia and do what he does. You saw last week the two top-graded cornerbacks in the NFL were who? James Bradbury and Stephon Gilmore, literally revitalizing those two teams and those defenses, keeping them together. And I think you see it in terms of it's gotten to a point where the players know what they're worth, and they're going to go where, they're, where they want to go for that money. A.J. Brown, he loved Nashville from what he was saying. He wanted the money from Nashville. They didn't want to give it to him. He goes – to Philly, and they're putting together a run as a team. I don't know what the score is right now. I'm not watching the game, but it's getting to this point where I'm so afraid of not giving them because th- I don't think Hassan deserved market resetting money. I think he deserved the money that he wanted, and I, I don't think, think that he was see- looking for market resetting money though, Jack. I don't, I don't, I don't think, think so. Either. He wasn't, and I don't know if necessarily Brian will be looking for that market resetting kind of money. Myself, I'm not entirely sure if that's it, what he's looking for. Exactly. I mean, if he ends up with another, let's say, let's say he gets eleven sacks this year, so it'll be up from his total from the last from the previous three. Is eleven sacks worth you getting market reset money? Because nobody's gonna give you that. So no. now, so so now is the is the mentality? I just want to go somewhere where we're gonna where, where I can win immediately. Now that may be the final nail in the coffin for Carolina. That's what I'm saying. That goes back to what I was saying, like the culture and what we're building, right? How do you attract or even keep what we've got? That's our problem. That is our number one problem we have to address. And it seems like though in this front office, like I said, if what we can, if what, if it's to be believed what has come out, some of the biggest problems with our team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I actually come to think of it both sides as well. It almost doesn't seem like it's a problem of necessarily winning or the money being paid, but a lot of these guys just want to be used properly. Jeremy Chin doesn't want to play four different positions. He wants to be put in one spot to do what he could do best. Same with Brian Burns. He actually wants to be used more in different ways and formats, and he was upset by not having that. Clear with DJ, same with Robbie. They just want to be used, and it seems like they're not being utilized to their full potential. So it might get to the point where they're not wanting to go for a winning team. I don't think Hassan Reddick necessarily knew that if he was going – 
to Philly that it was going to work out. I definitely don't think that Gilmore thought that it was going to be a a Super Bowl team going to Indianapolis, regardless of what felt how you know how Matt Ryan performed or how Jonathan Taylor felt. But they knew they were going to be utilized correctly there in those instances and in those points. And that's not what we're doing here. And Burns can go to somewhere like Tennessee or go to somewhere like the 49ers and get utilized in the correct way in a way that will facilitate being a part of a winning culture. And, and that's the not necessarily, that's not on, you know, on Wilkes to facilitate. I mean, it is, and it isn't, but that's up to Fitterer to try to go back and forth with. I think Fitterer could take that hit and reconstruct the depth, but also We've seen what he did with the bargain bait bin picks he got after we lost Gilmore and Reddick and how he utilized the cap we got from not re-signing them and how much confidence is that speaking to it, what he would be able to do going forward. And uh, just, uh, just to get, take a look at some of the comments, Jonathan Lyle said, hey, we're, we're going to lose a bunch of players. We're going to lose players ba- solely based on culture. Absolutely, because we got a bunch of guys that are entering their primes, if not in there already, that want to win games. I mean, DJ wouldn't DJ wouldn't get big money anywhere. So him signing the deal he signed was was beneficial for him. Shaq Thompson is a mid tier linebacker anywhere, so he wouldn't have got the bag he got from anybody else. But guys like Burns, guys like McCaffrey, who still have who still have enough juice to be able to 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 contribute to winning. Yeah, you may have to go ahead and trade trade them off. I mean, Dimitri Mission. I mean, like if you pay Burns, how do you pay DB Chen and Horn coming down the pipe? Especially like yeah. you said, if you saw these other guys that are getting those unnecessary contracts, like Shaq and and Dante got, well, if that's what they're getting, I've provided much more of an of an impact on this team, so I deserve in a respective nature. Upgraded from what they got, I deserve my my stretch respected to how I perform compared to how they perform. This yeah. reminds me of the conundrum we were in when we were looking at D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart that year. We had to yeah. give that money. We gave that money to D. Will, and he did. From then on, he was never the same. And so we're kind of in that same conundrum right now as to are we going to be able to afford them? And even if we can afford them, what are we building or showing them that we're going to be? And so again, I it goes back to again. I've always said it. We've said it over and over again. The culture is going to have to shift. Fitter and them, we're going to have to figure out who our next coach is. Once that news in, and I hope they get somebody good. I mean, we've got our our short list that we all have on our wish list. Um, but hopefully, that new coach comes in with a whole new mindset and a whole new identity, and doesn't come in here searching for an identity. Shanti, so let you get one point. Anything else you want to say before I close this out? Um, yeah, man. I mean, look, I mean, the eighteen million dollar cap hit for McCaffrey next year. He's got to go. Unfortunately, I, I, it, like, it has to happen. Go in, and like you said, uh, like you said, Jason earlier, get what you can for him. Brian Burns, unfortunately, is looking. I, I mean, it's the conundrum of: Do you want to completely hit the reset and deconstruct or reconstruct, or do you want to try to stand pat and hope that you're good enough? Curtis currently built to take the next to bring in the next coach and hopefully build something that can that can you know result in winning. So I mean that's the that's the state we're at and this and it's a hard spot to be in. There's no real right answer here. To wrap it up, I'll say this it speaks back to the original sin, the original issue we've had from this organization since the beginning of Tepper's tenure. When you set it up for because when you set it up like this, when you set up a team to where you're having to now make these gambles. If you're in a reset mode at the beginning, these these gambles, these these life or death decisions are not going to be as tumultuous. But now you're at this point where you're having to decide whether or not these guys who can be star players are good enough to survive. Are, are, are is it makes sense enough to survive the rebuild? Have they performed enough to survive the rebuild when 
quite frankly, it's asking them to have outperformed their expectations or at least rise up to whatever expectations have been set for them in order to facilitate being good enough to survive. When from the get-go, if you don't, if you get either get rid of, rid of Matt Rule early, you don't make these decisions as early on, you get a new GM, the GMs who's supposed to be in there on earlier, then it's not going to be, you're not going to be in the spot where you have these contracts, these lame duck contracts, these life draining contracts on you that are causing you to have to make these decisions. And now you're having to weigh your building block guys. All we saw on Twitter going forward was the guys who are untouchable. You know, the, the going, the guys who are untouchable, we can't put them out in the yard sale. We can't get rid of them, but it's getting to that point where you have to now shorten that list to facilitate being able to put your new your new head coach and quite frankly, your new quarterback in a place where they can develop long-term success. Because right now you get rid of McCaffrey that already puts you a bit behind, no matter who you get as those draft picks, that's going to put you a bit behind as a team for your culture and what you've tried to cultivate the last few years and what you're trying to do going forward for both that new head coach and that new quarterback, especially if you get rid of some of these defensive pieces, whether or not they have been facilitating itself at all. Unfortunately, we're going to have to rip that Band-Aid off at some point, and that's what I was saying, I think, last episode or maybe the episode before that where I said we've got to start looking at post-CMC. We just do, and yeah. we have to position ourselves as such. And if we're not in that front office moving these chess pieces now, we're going to be late to the game like we always are, which then we'll be having the same conversation, same channel, same time next year, talking about the same thing because we are waiting two steps too late. Yeah, man, it's hard decisions have to be made. This is this is the part of the business where you understand it's strictly a business, and things got to happen, pieces got to move, and there's gonna be some things that people won't like. We're gonna see guys go that we don't want to see go necessarily, but this is all a part of what being in the NFL is about, man. So I mean, hopefully we have the right people in place to make the right decisions, and hopefully we can get this thing turned around next season at some point. And of course, until then. I'll have to say it again. We're going to have to keep waiting and keep pounding.